0: Welcome to Widowcast Podcast, where you learn how to find the strength to get through your journey and the skills to coach other widows. This is not your average grief group. This is your journey group. It just may show you the way to make something amazing come out of the emotional pain and trauma of widowhood. I'm your host Joanne Philomena. I'm the best-selling author of Widowed and Widow Coach. And I'm a professional certified life coach. Let the healing and your personal journey begin. Welcome back, guys. Listen, today's podcast episode is entitled Get on Your Deathbed. And when when I gave it that title, I thought, you know, I could lose some listeners just with this title, but I don't think so, hang with me because it'll get clearer as I dive into this. And I I hope instead of losing listeners, it actually gains me listeners because even though this podcast is for widows, I'm thinking this is something everybody needs to hear. You may have got this message already so strongly, like deep in your bones when your spouse died. Most people do not have their eyes open to the fact of our own mortality. They want to ignore it. It's like they're living life like life is never going to end, which is, I think, a really huge mistake, because if you are playing any other kind of game and you knew the game never had an ending or an outcome, well, how hard are you going to give it to that game? you know, how much are you going to put into it? Probably not all your effort. When Jim suddenly died, it was a message that hit home with me. It sounds so, um, I don't want to say overused. It sounds so, it can even sound trite, but man, it hit home hard. Jim died at the very end of 2014. And one of the first actual gifts I saw in his passing and you know it takes a little hindsight to be able to look back and just see the gifts that you know came out of your husband's passing came out of your relationship with him but the first gift was the fact that within hours after he died it was New Year's Eve and I was watching the ball drop on 2015 Now, as I sat there, still in a total state of shock, like it wasn't even real to me yet that he was gone. I I know you know what I'm saying, especially those of you who had like, your husband had a real sudden death, just blindsided you. Um, But I'm watching the ball drop and I'm thinking, wow, I sure didn't expect to bring in 2015 this way, you know, without him. And then my brain kind of reflected back to a year ago when he and I were watching the ball drop together. And I thought to myself, wow, he had no way to know that that 2014 was going to literally be the last year of his life. It was his last year to live, but he couldn't know that. And, you know, I made the the next mental leap, which was, I wonder if he knew on New Year's Eve last year, would he have done anything differently? Would he have wanted anything differently? And I kind of chuckled to myself because, you know what? My husband was the kind of man that just kind of went out and took life by the horns. You know, he would always just go for whatever he wanted. Nothing really held him back. I used to call him a spoiled brat because he would just, you know, pick up anything he wanted to use of mine. He wouldn't even ask about it. He would just assume that thing was in the world for his use. You know, it was kind of the way he was. So, yeah, he just kind of lived life on his own terms. And, you know, what other people thought never held him back not one bit so I kind of chuckled to myself because I thought no not Jim he would you know he was already like living every day to the fullest but then it struck me and I this is what I knew to my bones 2015 could be my last year to live right Jim didn't know I can't know either I can't know that I'm not going to die at the end of 2015 was my thought. And then I thought, Oh, I need to live this year the way Jim lived. Right. It felt like not just what I had to do for me. It also felt like something I had to do for Jim, almost like a legacy. I, I know if you're a widow, you know what I'm talking about. So, um, yeah. And I just sat there, goosebumps, and vowed that I was going to live the year of 2015 like it was my last year to live. I literally got on my own deathbed ahead of time. <laughs> it sounds weird, but it's true because, the, you know, the whole sense of mortality just really seeped in. It's like we truly never know. I mean, we go through life knowing that we go through life thinking, oh yeah, you know, we never know when we're going to die, but we don't really own it. It is not something that really sinks in until you have an event like that. So, but I think it can sink in for everybody, whether they've suffered a significant loss or not, because if you can lay down and clearly imagine yourself lying on your deathbed and kind of assessing all the feelings around dying and saying goodbye and any regrets that you have, anything you wish you had done differently. You know, if you were given a pardon and you could come back up off your deathbed, how would you choose to live your life? That's the real message there in get on your deathbed. So many people tell me like, Joanne, you're a life coach. So how do I get motivated for something? Coach me into being motivated. And in my mind, I think the fastest way I could coach you into being motivated is to threaten to kill you right now, (laughs) which sounds terrible. I'm not a killer, you guys. (laughs) But you know what I mean? It's like, If you want to be motivated to do something differently in your life, get on your deathbed. Get on your deathbed and start looking back at your life because that's where the real motivation is. I, um, for a while there, was really listening to everything I could find by Gary Vaynerchuk. Now you might immediately pause me and go Google Gary Vaynerchuk, because I know some of my listeners. If I mention a book or somebody, you like, go look it up right away. <laughs> but listen, Gary Vaynerchuk mostly speaks to young people about succeeding in life. He really tailors all of his marketing and his podcast and his videos to the 20-something crowd and even to kids that are in their teens he's kind of amazing at first you might find him offensive because I don't know if he still does but he had this incredible potty mouth um, which I don't mind at all I'm perfectly fine with hearing that but um, I think part of that too was this is how you get these young dudes to listen to you for reals you know, and he would do that. But anyway, one of the things I heard Gary talking about was when somebody said, Gary, how do you get motivated? Because you are like the most motivated up person on the planet. And he would say, I wake up in the morning and pretend my brother died. And you know, the interviewer is like gobsmacked silent. They don't know what to say, Right. And then he goes on to explain, he's like, if I wake up and I pretend my brother died, or I pretend my parents have just died, it makes me see really clearly what I need to be doing with my life. It makes me see really clearly how short our time here can be and how important it is to just go out there and do the things you know you're meant to do and do it right now. So you know, this is his version of getting on his deathbed is getting up in the morning, meditating and, you know, visualizing that not, I hope he's not visualizing it. Cause I do believe in the power of visualization, but meditating and thinking around somebody who is really dear to him in life dies and it puts things in focus, right? It snaps it in focus. So, for anybody out there especially people who are not widowed go tell them widows go tell them because most of you know that pretending you aren't going to die is detrimental to your enjoyment of life let me say that again i think that's really important pretending you aren't ever going to die or I'm going to die someday, some long off distant future that I just can't even imagine. Pretending you aren't going to die is detrimental to your enjoyment of life right now. It is. That's the way that I began. Like, I feel like I just want to suck the marrow out of life. You know, that first year when I vowed, I was living 2015, like it was my last year on the planet. I had taken um, a new corporate job and I was just so grateful for that new corporate job because after Jim passed away, um, there was no, none of his retirement income continued on. There were no spouse benefits there. And so I was just thankful for the new corporate job because it's like, yeah, income, a paycheck, right? It wasn't even enough for me to really live on, but it was better than no money. <laughs> right? It's Better than no money. So um, I took this corporate job and it started out awesome. I know I've talked about this on the podcast before. And then it got kind of really ugly. And the people I was working for were not really good people. It was a bad situation. And it took me about six months to even wake up to this, to what I was doing to myself, because I was still in that state of shock after Jim dying. The first six months as a widow, man, you are in such a fog. It's like you're halfway out of body, right? So in those six months, they were like taking more and more advantage of me in my time as a widow to the point they had me working seven days a week. They had me... Uh, answering phones around the clock. I mean, it was just crazy time. And it was around the six month mark that I looked up and went, hold on. If this is my last year to live, I sure as heck don't want to spend it like this. What am I doing? I've just wasted six months of my last year left to live being miserable. Oh my gosh. I mean, I was like shocked. I couldn't believe it when it hit me. And I tell you that next Monday morning, I quit that morning. Like now, (laughs) you know, like just no ifs, ands, or buts. The CEO said, I don't even get a two weeks notice. And I said, are you going to replace me in two weeks? And he said, no. And I said, well, then don't you think it'd be a waste of both of our time? I was like, man, you're not getting notice. I am out of here, right? I walked away from that paycheck. I did it with grace. I mean, you know, I wasn't mean to them. I wasn't, you know, blaming anybody. I was just like, you know, done with this. And um, the next morning I woke up and realized, oh, I don't have a paycheck. (laughs) It was panic time a little bit, you know, like lay there and let that sink in. You have no money coming into the household now at all. So now what do we do? Um, But I also made one of the best decisions of my life, right? I decided, I mean, I knew I had just, like i knew that this is where divinity was stepping in and telling me you are to you are to just do nothing but coach with the rest of your life i had always been a coach in the corporate setting and it's what allowed me to advance so well in corporate America is the fact that I could coach the people working under me. I could coach the people around me. Um, Coaching served me well for decades. But I realized then that that's what I wanted to do, that I was no longer interested in working in corporate America. I just wanted to coach people. So I thought, hmm, you know, When I first started coaching all those decades ago, there was no such thing as coach certification. Life coaching didn't even have that name to it. Uh, So I thought, let me go get a certification. Let me get, you know, officially certified before I hang out a shingle. And um, it was quite expensive. It was kind of breathtakingly expensive to do that for me because we're talking five figures, you know, almost Six figures. No, I guess it wait, take that back. It was over six figures. I had to think about what six figures is. No, five figures. Oh god, you guys. (laughs) But it was like every penny in my account, you know? And um I did it. I did it. I paid for the certification. I bought a plane ticket from New York to California, paid for a hotel for two weeks while I did the in-person training, it was kind of crazy, but I knew it's like, this is what I want to do more than anything. And this could be my last year to live. So I need to do this. I just need to do this. I was really in a mindset of all or nothing when I went to do that. Because it was like, I have to make this work. There's no plan B. I'm not going to go do anything else. This is what's happening now. And so I did it. It was one of the most rewarding things I have ever done. And I would have never made a decision to do that without the thought that 2015 was my last year to live. Seriously, a very risk adverse person <laughs> right um, so yeah, and that was over five years ago, and um, my life has been so amazing for me ever since the personal growth, the being able to constantly challenge myself and to constantly renew that vow, I'm telling you every new year's eve. My friends, I get on my deathbed. I literally get on my deathbed and say, You know, I could die at the end of this year. I didn't know how close I could come to that when it's <laughs> last New Year's Eve when I said 2020 could be my last year to live. Holy cow. Look at the year we've got going. It's going to be fabulous, you guys. We're going to hit this second half of the year and it's going to be fabulous. So, um, yeah, I have literally renewed that vow every new year's Eve to say, got to live the next year. Like it's my last year. Cause it could well be, I could get to the end of that year and take my last breath. So when you look at life that way, you stop caring so much about what other people think of you. You stop it's not so much you don't care what other people think, but you stop trying to make an impression. You don't people-please anymore because you're like, no, let me be really truthful about this. You know, somebody says, hey, you want to go do this? I'm like, no, don't want to do that. Have fun. <laughs> Have fun, I ain't coming. Um, yeah, you just stop people-pleasing and you stop living your life the way you think other people would expect you to live it or have you live it. You just start like living on your own terms. Nothing is more amazing than that. And the amazing part of doing this is, you know, after the loss of my husband, I felt really insecure financially about being on my own, um, you know, all that fear and all that insecurity. And it was almost two years after he died, when all of a sudden I had that month where my business did well, I was doing great. And I just sat down and looked at that and thought, oh my gosh, all this is working for me. I'm going to be okay. I am okay. I can support myself no matter what. You know, I'm not depending on somebody else for things anymore. I am able to just do this for me. It's an amazing feeling to do that. So when you decide that you are going to start living your life on your terms and for exactly what you want, if you decide you're going to live the year, like it's your last year to live here's the thing. You can kind of take stock of where you are and think about who it is you want to be, right? Think about who it is you want to be instead. Like you're still going to be you, but like, how do you want to be? You can begin to create a vision of yourself, Like, you know, I'm going to take 20 pounds off. I'm going to eat healthier. I'm going to make sure I have time just for me. I'm not going to work for anybody, you know, like 70, 90 hours a week again, ever again. You can kind of take stock and create the vision of who you want to become. And then here's the secret, you guys. Once you have that vision of who you want to be really clearly, You begin to live into it like you are already that. That's how you become that. It's not like, oh, well, when I can make this much money a month, then I can be the person who has that. No, you have to be the person who has that before you can make that much money a month. You have to be the person who is thinner before you lose the weight. We think, oh, if I slim down, you know, if I take 40 pounds off, I'm going to be a whole new person. This is how my life's going to be if I'm 40 pounds lighter. Yeah, get a real vivid vision of that because that's who you need to start being now. Otherwise, you don't lose those 40 pounds and keep it off. You have to become her first before you can do it. You have to be the person who can lose 40 pounds. I learned this From uh, reading about Arnold Schwarzenegger, believe it or not, remember Arnold Schwarzenegger before he was a governor in California, before he was a TV actor, he was um, a bodybuilder, like champion bodybuilder. And he talked about the process he used in bodybuilding, right? He said, I would create the vision of... Who I wanted to be, and then I would start living that me as if I were already there. Right? This is how he went through creating his life. This is how he became a champion bodybuilder. This is how he knew that he could become a Hollywood movie star. There was an interviewer who asked him, you know, what's next? You're retiring from bodybuilding, what's next? And he said, I'm going to be the number one box office star, right? I'm, I'm going to be the number one Hollywood draw. And the interviewer was like, mm, okay, <laughs> right? But he was, you know, when you think about Arnold's movies and how they sold, it's amazing. But that was his secret. And like how, then how do you go from being the Terminator to becoming the governor of California. Like what? He just repeated the process. He just has that stuff on repeat. He was like, this is what I want to do next. I'm concerned about my community and I want to start serving in the public that way. So he created the vision of who Arnold Schwarzenegger was going to be as a politician and Stepped into that image. Began living as if. So my friends. You can do this too. You can create your vision. You just make it up. Just make it up. Right? Allow yourself to just go crazy. In making up who it is you want to become. Get on your deathbed. And think about. Mm-hmm what where you have been in life the people who are important to you at that moment on your deathbed and if you don't die what do you really want to be because that is going to set you up for some amazing growth amazing growth it's going to make you so appreciative of what you have right now right People talk about gratitude all the time. It's not about writing in a journal saying, I'm grateful for blah, blah, blah. I'm grateful for blah, blah, blah. We could all do that. Like I'm grateful for my house. I'm grateful for where I live. I'm grateful for my business. It's when you feel it. When you're laying on your deathbed looking back, you feel the gratitude for the things that you've had. And then when you get up off your deathbed and you look out a window and see planet Earth out there still waiting for you, your heart feels with gratitude. It's like, wow, thank you. I've got another day on this planet. I'm not on my deathbed after all. I can go out there and do something amazing. That's when you really feel the gratitude and that changes you too. So my friends... I know if you're a new widow, this may be a tough one to listen to, and I do apologize for that. I know that as I go forward in these podcasts, um, you know, I really kind of drill down deeper and deeper as time goes on. And for new widows, I know the best for a new widow to be listening to are probably my early podcasts back at the beginning of this. I've been doing this for a couple of years now, maybe three years. I haven't even kept track, but you can go back to early episodes that talk about how I kind of got through that first year and, you know, through the second year as a widow and how mm, life coaching skills that I have that I use for myself helped me move through this journey. Uh, You guys may not know that, I know you all know, I think you all know that I'm a professionally certified life coach, but it's coaching myself that has made such a difference. And I coach myself daily, right? I teach my widow coaches that I train and certify to work with other widows and help them. I also train them about self coaching. It's like, this is how you continue to grow. So get on your deathbed. Think about what it is that you would do with your life. What would you do with your life if you were only going to live another year? And then start to step into that for yourself. It's the best gift you can give yourself. And that's where you find motivation, truly. So get out there, enjoy this planet. I told you guys for 150 times, I think, on this podcast now Get out there and find some joy in your day. And I'll talk to you guys again soon. Bye.